Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside my great friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Now, I do have to apologize. First of all, no podcast yesterday. I, I, I had a day off. It's, I think it's I think it's literally the second day that I've had off since uh, this last NBA season started right through the hiatus as well. So I did have one or two up my sleeve, but uh, I got a little bit caught up. So I do apologize for that. We've got some stuff from the weekend to catch up on here. We are going to talk about the NBA restart and where that sits right now. The Bucks lost an assistant coach today. We'll talk about that. And I also want to talk to Justin about the Central Division because there's some weird stuff going on. But like I said right from the top, if you do are listening to this show for the first time, which I am told from people higher up than me at the Lockdown Podcast Network that there is a significant amount of people that don't listen to this show every day and sometimes I act like everyone does. Justin, you will know his voice. As I said, each and every Bucks game, you can hear him on the radio for me. You can normally find me lurking around the locker room somewhere. When I'm in the US, I'm not right now, but also I write at ESPN and NBA.com. But Justin, what's going on? You didn't get the Sunday call from me because like I said, I, I had a day off. But how was your weekend? How are you doing? No, well, uh, it's been an interesting uh, weekend. That's what threw me off too when I got the text <laughs> today. Like, wait a minute. Did I? Is it still the weekend? Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, as we were talking about before, I mean, it is still weird adjusting to... Uh, just this portion of the calendar and the sports schedule too, where um, there's no basketball. When you think about this, is the time of year where we'd be what two weeks into the to the NBA season now, and you know, as you touched on, we'll talk about the restart, but the prospects of potentially not having this for uh, two and a half more months, even it, it's uh, it's strange. Where we talked about the. Going back to the restart, how the NBA was in the most favorable spot because they were through, what, 80% of their schedule, and they were basically just talking about finishing out the playoffs. Now is the portion where the NBA is faced with those same issues and challenges that Major League Baseball and the NFL had, where, uh, as we mentioned, the the schedule for the upcoming year is already thrown off to who knows when it's going to start. And then when it does start, all those things that – we may have criticized the other leagues for in having to deal with the NFL is going to have to, or the NBA is going to have to figure out how to do that. So the uncertainty of all of it is what makes it uh, just really fascinating as we move towards the restart or the new start, whenever that is. Yeah, I don't think that. And so just for an update, they, uh, the league did are continuing to have meetings with the uh, MBPA, the Players Association, about when this season will start. We do know there's been some pushback uh, from some sections of the playing group that 
perhaps aren't ready to go back to basketball and, and start the season prior to Christmas. So certainly for some teams, as we discussed last week on the show, some teams that have just finished up their season may feel like this is a little bit too soon. I will also say that I think with the election and everything else going on in the US right now, that it, it would be a little bit difficult, I guess, for some of these players to be focusing on, okay, what, we're supposed to start a season in five weeks' time or six weeks' time with everything happening uh, in the country over there right now. So I think that that's probably playing a factor in all this. But ultimately, this comes back to money. And we've spoke about this. The number that is still being thrown around is somewhere between $500 million and a billion dollars in revenue could potentially be lost if the season does not start before Christmas and pushes back to that late January time start or February tip-off, whatever that may be. A story just dropped from uh, Woj and Zach Lowe with some additional information here from over the weekend. Uh, Adam Silver has told some top uh, basketball executives that, uh, quote, time is running out. And I think that that is 100% fair because we look at this and it's November 3rd. And the draft is supposed to be in 15 days' time. We don't actually really know when free agency is, is going to start. I mean, I, I think the, the thought is that it's going to be a couple of days after the draft or that's when certainly some of these guaranteed dates, particularly in relation to the Bucks, a player like Ersan Ugasova, where he'll be implicated there. But we also know a huge offseason for Giannis and his potential contract situation. But then after the draft, you still only have about one month before the season starts. So they have pushed back the decision till this Friday. So we've got a few more days here. But uh, I think it's fair to say that that time is running out uh, is certainly a reasonable comment because uh, there's not long. There's not long. They've got to figure this out. Well, and uh, let me ask you this too. And, and before we get into it, I, I'm pretty sure we know why they did this. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Ursan Ilyasova and players like him in that, as you mentioned, his contract, I mean, the Bucks' decision on whether or not to guarantee it, I think it's two days after the draft that they have is their deadline. Um, so in terms of pushing the draft out that late, I, I would assume why they, they fell on mid-November was just because of that, in that Ursan's not the only guy like that, whether it's two days or a week or whatever it is around the draft. There was a number of those deals that had the parameters in place as such where the league knew, look, we got to figure out the CBA for next season before we do anything. But let's just say all of that is fixed. I do wonder, not to say that it would be universal, but if we'd see more and more players' tunes change, if the draft was, say, this week, what if the draft was Wednesday and then all of a sudden free agency starting a week after that where, yeah, it's still a very brief offseason, but it doesn't feel quite as compressed where, yes, ultimately they did it because they still had a lot to sort out with the CBA, but if they would have just set the NBA draft date at, if they would have been able to and, and say, look, it's going to be late October even uh, I wonder how much things change then if the draft is out of the way and then soon afterwards free, agent key, free agency can start and you can have guys in their new destinations and more quickly getting into those cities and starting camps, if you will, rather than just, hey, by the way, this whole thing looks like it could potentially all of it happen in what, like a four-week stretch with the, the 18th draft date and then who knows when free agency starts into uh, the league hopes a 22nd start date of December. 
All right, before we move on, let's talk about our show sponsor today, Built Bar. We know Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made, and it's relaunched, relaunched. They originally had 12 flavors. Now they've got six brand new ones uh, just to top it off, just to make the product even that much better. I literally just had one before uh, I did this podcast. I've got to get outside. I've got to do something, get out for a run or something after this show. I'm not 100% sure. It's a beautiful day outside. Uh, I had one of the brand new flavors. I had caramel brownie. It was delicious. But if you like the original flavors, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, uh, they have all those as well. Of course, we all know this. The best thing about it is that these bars are healthy for you. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, which is pretty rare when it comes to a treat like this. You always feel like uh, they, they can't possibly be healthy, but these are. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And we've got a great deal for you guys. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And then you may as well try Built's other fantastic product, the brand new Built Go. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural uh, whether it's a mental, mental or physical wall that you need to break through, break through it with Go every single day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. You get five-hour energy without the same crash feeling you get with other products. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Uh, this deal as well is the same as uh, Built Bar. Visit builtgo.com. And use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. This is complete speculation on my part, but I think if the league thought at the time when they pushed the draft back one month, if they thought that they were going to be in a position where they would want to start pre-Christmas, and I don't think they would have done that. I think at the time, the hope was still that in January, uh, in February, they would start to be able to get fans back in the building, and that's what they were focusing on, and that's what they wanted to achieve. I think now, uh, just looking at what's going on in the US with the virus, no matter how you feel about it, it's not going to be a situation basically in any city where you can put fans back in the arena. Perhaps there might be one or two. I don't know the numbers in every single state, certainly not as much as I keep an eye on Wisconsin for obvious reasons. So I think that if they had have known again now that this was going to be the case, then they probably wouldn't have worried. But now they basically have got to the point where they understand they are not going to get the fans back in the arena. So they're going to lose that revenue. Then it becomes more critical for them to... to try and bring the season before Christmas. Now everything's super compressed. I think the other problem has been the TV ratings. We know it's been all over the news and basketball isn't the only sport that has suffered. Certainly uh, football as well, which is a fair indication. If the NFL ratings are down, then something is just different with the year 2020. I certainly obviously believe there's been a lot of election stuff. There's been debates. There's been so much other stuff going on in the world and also just every single sport rolling on top of each other that made that a bit of a challenge. And certainly from this Woj and Zach Lowe report, a huge concern is the Olympics. And we, we spoke about the Olympics and where that, fits to, uh, where that fits in with all this. But I will admit myself, obviously uh, we don't miss a, a Bucks game, but there were certainly times where if the basketball was on, I would be flicking between baseball uh, when that was on and uh, baseball postseason and then NFL. So I would be flicking between all these other sports. So there's just so many options and if the Olympics are on, 
and it's a non-butts game day, like, do you think that there's a chance that I will watch the Olympics instead of the basketball? Certainly. And I, and I would, I mean, clearly, I would qualify myself as a, as a hardcore basketball fan. So if I'm even thinking about that, I can certainly understand why the league would want to avoid the Olympics. And that's even before you take into calculations the fact that NBA players would want to be in the Olympics. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I still kind of view that as a, I don't want to get as, as extreme as saying pipe dream, but I guess, I, number one, I question if the Olympics will even happen, that, and that's still very much up in the air. But as we've talked about before, even if, let's say, they start the 22nd and they run through this uh, schedule that they've outlined where what the regular season would go through May and then the playoffs would wrap up in July, what player is is going to say going through that compressed restart in the bubble into uh, not a whole lot of time in the offseason and the season and then jump into the Olympics and then start that cycle all over again? I mean, most players are, are, are going to just say, all right, I'm taking the summer off so I can have a normal offseason before we start what we think is going to be a normal season in 21-22. So, uh, I know the league did that to protect themselves against the Olympics. And, and I, look, I know the league ultimately wants the Olympics just because it's good advertising for their league. But I'd be more surprised if the Olympics even happened than if we saw NBA just say, look, we're not participating in the Olympics this summer just because of everything uh, that took place with our league. Not to, to get too off track, but um, we, uh, not you and I, but we as in basketball fans spent a lot of time talking about uh, asterisks and what was this restart going to look like and what were the playoffs going to look like? You heard Pat Riley's comments, but doesn't it feel like based off, I mean, we assume this much would happen, but based off what you're hearing from guys like Danny Green and what we assume a lot of the veteran players are going to do and how their approach to the season is going to be, doesn't it feel like this upcoming season is the real potential for the asterisk season where we're going to look back on it and say, man, that 21 <laughs> 2021 maybe season was just such a weird year with everything that happened leading into it. It was a shortened uh, calendar. You had a lot of guys, superstar players that were sitting on a lot of games. What a weird year when we look back on it. I think there's certainly a chance of that, particularly when we talk about compromised schedules. I mean, you can always argue with the Eastern Western conference, whether you think that the schedule is, is skewed for teams in the East that potentially have an easier uh, draw, but maybe if they go to divisions, we've spoke about this. The Bucks clearly the best team in the Central Division at, at this point in time, certainly projected to be the best team comfortably. And uh, in recent years, they've basically been easy wins anytime they've come up against those teams. So if that's the case, and for travel purposes and uh, the ability to play multiple games against one team in a base, baseball-style series... If that's the case and the Bucks end up not playing teams in the Western Conference or maybe only playing them once each or whatever it may be in a reduced game schedule, then yeah, I, I mean, the playoffs are going to be probably different to what they would have normally been. And also, this would be a full season without fans and not to say that there isn't a possibility that fans could get in the building towards the end of the season, but no doubt, uh, I, I think it would change the course of this season. And again, when you play it from scratch, uh, as you pointed to before, last season, the majority of the postseason was there and already decided and we knew who the better teams were and they were there in the postseason. Uh, this would be going all the way from scratch and that changes things. There's no doubt about that. The one, the one thing I'll ask you before we move on here, the last part 
that is noted in this story again from Woj and Zach Lowe is that the play-in tournament is going to be here to stay. I think I certainly liked it. I liked the uh, the excitement, the build-up of uh, A, seeing a team trying to surge into the possibility of playing in that play-in tournament with Phoenix with the way they played in the bubble. I also liked the story of Damian Lillard and him putting that in that one-off game where they had to win uh, as well. So the play-in tournament for mine really made the bottom end of the, the playoff seedings exciting. Are you, you in on this? Should this that be here to stay? I'm in on it. I didn't think I would be before we actually saw it unfold. And, yeah. um, you know, I if they can figure out a way, I know there's been all the crazy talk of the in-season tournament and trying to drum up ways, as you talked about, of, of getting more eyeballs and interest in the regular season. And I, I, I keep struggling to figure out how you actually do this without – really bastardizing your product. But if they can figure something out, uh, even if you borrow from the playing tournament and what you see happen in the EPL and uh, some other soccer uh, leagues where uh, if, if there's a way you could do something, even if you play 60% of the season and you look at what the standings are and you say, okay, the top six teams have already clinched the playoff spot, the rest of the league is going to play, uh, what, like 30% of your scheduling, and then we'll do a playoff tournament or a play-in tournament. And those 12 teams that made it, they're only going to play each other for the duration, the remainder of their games to figure out the seeding. Uh, I, I mean, I know it would be a tough sell for that bottom tier, but that top tier, who isn't going to watch every single regular season game? All right, let's move on to Josh Longstaff now, uh, Bucks assistant coach of the last couple of seasons since uh, Mike Budenholzer came to town, along with uh, most of the staff that were out uh, with the Hawks in some uh, shape or form. Josh Longstaff moving on now to the Chicago Bulls. He's going to uh, coach under Billy Donovan. This has been reported as a, a front of uh, bench assistant coach role for Longstaff. So certainly... A promotion as far as he's standing in the pecking order with the Bulls coaching staff to where he was in the Bucks. Just 38 years of age. He's got a pretty good coaching resume with the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, prior to Billy Donovan as an assistant coach and player personnel development video guy from 2010 to 2014. Then he was at the Knicks as an assistant coach. And then he actually was the coach of the Hawks G League team, the Erie Bay Hawks, uh, before coming to Milwaukee and now uh, Chicago. So one of the lesser known names among the Bucks coaching staff, we've spoke a lot about Charles Lee potentially getting a head coaching role, uh, Darvin Ham in the same boat, and obviously Taylor Jenkins last year picked up the Memphis role. But again, uh, these Bucks coaches, they're moving on. They're getting jobs. And certainly being a part of this staff is not stopping them from career opportunities, really. Yeah, and I believe he was um, the... The one of the final years that he was coaching the uh, Bayhawks, they lost to Nick Nurse's uh, Toronto club in the Eastern Conference Finals of the G League playoffs. So it's you know it just goes back to what we've talked about quite a bit here about assistant coaches and okay, what do we actually know about these guys? Because based off that resume, Josh Longstaff would seem like a, a pretty and not to say he's not, but Josh Longstaff would would seem like hey, this is a pretty pretty good candidate here. Um, and certainly the time on a winning club like the Bucks for the last few years helped him out. Uh, we wondered at the time, too, when we saw Josh Oppenheimer at it, okay, what does this mean for the rest of the staff and speculated of who could be the odd man out? Neither of us pegged um, Josh Longstaff, so now that staff has kind of sorted itself out. But 
it's uh, it, it just seems to be kind of uh, musical chairs and revolving doors within the central division where we see a lot of stops there uh, from one team to the next. Do you think, so Josh Longstaff really known for his player developments. That's sort of the coach of the label that we've had on him. And again, uh, we say this from the outside. We talk to Bud, we could talk to Horse, these types of guys, but we don't see them uh, in, in the huddle as such. So this is basically just word of mouth, what we know about Josh. And they've brought in uh, Oppenheimer, again, a developmental coach. I'm curious because we know that Darvin Ham is in a similar boat. He's a guy. He's worked with the young guys a lot. Vin Baker, exactly the same. Charles Lee, the same. And it does feel like the Bucks coaches staff have this really great reputation of being uh, player coaches, which I, I don't think is a surprise because Mike Budenholz has always been a guy that has been well-respected by his teams, by players around the league that have had the chance to play under him. One of the things we spoke about during the, uh, the probably the aftermath of the Bucks dropping out of the postseason, and this could be reactionary from me, but uh, we've spoke about a coach like an Eric Spolstra, who is a wizard with the X's and those, and Nick Nurse, and even Brad Stevens to a lesser extent, but Brad Stevens to a lesser extent. So I, I just wonder, they bring in another developmental coach. This is a very old team. I'm just wondering how much development there is to have and whether it was a strategic coach or someone known for... Uh, trying different things, being a creative mind with the X's and O's. And maybe there's someone already there on the staff and we don't know about it uh, to the to the extent uh, that they would have an impact. But uh, um, if anything, I'm kind of a little bit disappointed that uh, they basically swapped one developmental coach with another. Yeah, and I guess, you know, it, it's pick your poison where you see that and what you outlined with the Buck staff. And you look at other staffs where uh, it's essentially guys that are – Maybe they're not the X's and O's or the developmental guy, but it's just a, hey, well, he's been through all the playoff wars and he's good to have to, you know, for the players to pick his brain. And a lot of guys that are just there knowing this is probably it. This is my one year on the bench and then I'm going to get a job elsewhere. So it, it oftentimes it's just to pick your poison. If we look at, well, this isn't really good. And then you look at the other scenario and say, well, is that better? Um, it, It was interesting. I agree that they, basically went like for like if we're just looking at the description of the jobs and replaced a developmental guy with another one when we talked ad nauseum about some of the things this team we were hoping would do differently. I also think it it probably adds a little more clarity too. um, Once you saw Josh Oppenheimer come into the fold with Josh Longstaff and seeing where he went too. If you look at it from his point of view, and and we saw in the report from Woj, that uh, he's going to be elevated and moving to that top of the bench role where, hey, you're, you're next in line, where things go right. You're going to be one of the guys that's going to be uh, one of the hot assistant candidates out there. And if, if you just look at his standing with the Bucks, I mean, we've already mentioned the names of Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, that those are the guys that are going to be out there front and center, if not again next offseason, the, the offseason after that. Those are the two guys that are clearly in front of him, and they're gonna, their names are going to come up when there's a, a vacancy out there, not so much Josh Longstaff. And I think even with Josh Oppenheimer coming, uh, if you look at – if things change drastically, and while it may not even have anything to do – one may not have anything to do with the other, but if things change drastically and the Bucks all of a sudden embrace a different style of play or all the things that we picked apart and said they need to do better, they all of a sudden do it. Of all the guys on the staff, who 
who has the potential to just point to and say, well, what was the change? I mean, it, <laughs> clearly it has to be Josh Oppenheimer that led them to do this, where if you're Josh Longstaff, you look at it and, okay, Darvin and Charles are ahead of me. If things go well here, I mean, maybe Josh Oppenheimer gets the credit too, where this was just a good opportunity where you know you may have those roadblocks in front of you. And in the case of Chicago, uh, Billy Donovan, a good coach, and Mo Cheeks is joining his staff too, which I think at this point Mo Cheeks is going to be an assistant for the remainder of his career. This may be your best bet to, if you want to be a head coach within the next handful of years, going to Chicago is probably going to be a, a better or at least quicker bet to do that than staying on this bench behind some established assistant coaches in Miami. So the one thing I did want to bring up before we wrap this up for today's show, and you already mentioned it, the Central Division, what is going on with the coaches, with the players? I don't really remember a division like this in, in any sport. And just think about what the Bucks have done. We always joke about the Pistons being basically the Bucks G League team because of all the players they've got out there and some of the trades that have been made. Think Tony Stelthon, Maker, Christian Wood, uh, to name just a few. But then the Cavs, one of the more significant trades that the Bucks have made in the last few years with Dullover and uh, John Henson being traded for George Hill, who came back and become such a vital part of the Bucks roster, Malcolm Brogdon going to the paces. And now there's talks that the Bucks are in discussions with Indiana about Victor Oladipo, Josh Longstaff now going to the Bulls. It's unbelievable. I can't really recall this happening. Jabari Parker signed with the Bulls after the Bucks didn't extend him an offer as well. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you mention the Andre Drummond deal too, where he's uh, going where he, I mean, yeah. it, the only thing that would have made it better is if Fred Hoiberg would have landed in Indiana as the coach and then Nate McMillan yeah. jumps to Chicago to coach the Bulls. I mean, that would have been par for the course for some of the personnel type changes we've seen in the central division. And, you know, I'm sure you'll spend more time on this in the coming shows as we get closer to the season starting. Well, you mentioned the Pacers. I've kind of done a 180 on them where once we got to the playoffs and you know nobody expected the Pacers to beat the Heat in the opening round and just kind of watching that series and see them basically limp to a finish, uh, I kind of put Indiana in one of those, okay, there is nothing interesting about this team moving forward for the next couple of years probably. Now I've kind of done a 180 where um, it, it certainly seems like Victor Oladipo is going to get moved. And we've talked about the Bucks showing interest and a lot of teams kicking the tires on him. Doesn't it kind of seem like a lot of that is you're hearing what the asking price or at least saying like, well, it can't be that high. He's a free agent and look at his struggles last year. And sooner or later, if more and more teams are inquiring, even if they're giving you bad offers, one team is going to hear the, the number of teams that have inquired and say, well, we got to up our offer if the Pacers are fielding calls from this many teams. That it kind of feels like eventually they're going to get a decent offer for Victor Oladipo. And even with, with Nate Bjorkren, here we go again, where we talked about you know, not really knowing anything about assistance until you actually see them coach. But I'm going to go ahead and assume Nate Bjorkren is going to coach uh, – similarly, at least use some tendencies that he got from Nick Nurse. And I have a hard time seeing them play both big men together again, that it seems like they're going to move one of them. Miles Turner, you would think, would fetch you a lot of value. That I looked at it and thought, you know, the Pacers all of a sudden went from zero interest at all to, well, depending on what they do with some of these moves, they could all of a sudden make things pretty interesting in the Central and have a fascinating makeup to their team moving forward. Well, certainly over the last few years, the Pacers have always been a team that, 
they, they play hard. The Bucks have generally been able to handle them. There's no doubt about that. But as you mentioned, Miles Turner, again, an interesting piece that if you're the Bucks, you're looking to see where he lands because I think, I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. I, I think we expected more from him, but the fit next to Sabonis didn't really seem to work. He basically turned into a guy that just stood out on the perimeter and Jack threes. And I, I think if you're Boston, there's certainly a guy that they would be interested in. And as far as the Bucks go with Oladipo, we have spoke about Oladipo. If you've missed any of our podcasts, you can go back certainly over the last couple of weeks to hear our more in-depth thoughts about Victor Oladipo. We had the host of Locked on Pacers, Tony East, on the show, and he spoke about what he saw uh, from Oladipo up close this year in his return. I wrote about Oladipo on, the, Oladipo on the weekend, and particularly some of the promising signs around his finishing at the basket in the bubble. He certainly looked like he was getting some of that confidence back. But again, to just quickly touch on that, I do think, and I've been someone that's been semi-optimistic about the possibility of, of Victor being a good player for the Bucks next season if they can trade for him, because I'm probably more down than your average, average Bucks fan on the actual hopes of, of trading for a Chris Paul or a Drew Holiday. I, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think you have to temper your expectations a little bit. And Oladipo is certainly a risk given he's a free agent uh, upcoming in 12 months. But I do think he is a potential high-reward player that comes back if he's healthy in a new situation, he's feeling good. He doesn't have the responsibility of being the best player on the team. It could be a situation that works for him. But again, just one of those central division uh, potential trade scenarios. And I, I don't think there's a sport like basketball where the divisions just really don't matter anymore, like at all. And in some sports, certainly the NFL, you see Packers fans and, and Bears fans and Vikings fans, for instance, they all hate each other. They're against each other. They never want to lose. It just doesn't matter in basketball at all. It doesn't matter. The Bucks won the division the last two years. Who cares? What does it matter? They've still put banners up. Does anyone ever take any notice of the division banners up at Fiserv? Because I certainly don't. Uh, I did just because <laughs> uh, I remember taking a picture of it. Uh, just because, look, I spent many, yeah, many yeah. nights in the Bradley Center as a youth watching Bucks teams led by Baloo Edwards and Eric Murdoch and basically Bucks teams losing and going to watch the opposition and wondering, seeing all the banners from the 80s that my dad and my uncle's teams, they got to see and wondering, what is that, what is that like? So once they finally won the division – yeah, I the first thing I did in that first game back was look up into the rafters and see. And I got to tell you, didn't feel as great as I thought it would. There you go. I was waiting for the conclusion to that story. I was thinking maybe I'm being a bit of an asshole here. Maybe I need to tone it back a little bit. But no, yes, it is. Uh, it's it's underwhelming, particularly if you don't get the job done in in the playoffs. You certainly don't get to look back and say, "Well, look at that banner. Look at that Central Division banner hanging up there." That makes me feel a lot better about this. Well, I mean, it's it's basically like, uh, as we can relate to, it's like bragging that you scored the most points in your fantasy league. Great. Did you win it? Well, no, but I scored the most. I should have won. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of fantasy right now, I'm locked in a real battle. Uh, I'm 10 points behind with a half to go. Mike Evans, Jason Pierre-Paul, they need to do something for me. But I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Not to rub salt into the wound, but I did mention to you, it's I think it's the hottest day we've had in Melbourne here since February. So I, I got to get outside. I got to get outside and get some sun. I've been locked inside all day uh, working. It's time to get out. Yeah, must be nice. I mean, uh, we, we at least can still go outside now. It hasn't quite hit the point where you can't with Wisconsin weather. It's, 
just hasn't been great where you can, you can sense, okay, it's starting to shift to, it's going to be winter pretty soon. The reality is hitting me, I think, because I'm really hot right now. Cause I basically haven't had a summer for about three years. So I'm, I'm just, it, it's, it's taken its toll on me. And I think the reality is starting to hit me that I am about to have my first full summer in years and years after uh, basically going winter to winter from uh, Melbourne to Milwaukee over the last couple of seasons. Who knows when I will be back, but We'll still have podcasts here the next couple of days. I know it's a big week for everyone over there. And perhaps some people will like to listen to this podcast as a bit of a distraction, talk about the Bucks, talk about basketball. But Justin, appreciate you as always. Anytime. Uh, like I said from the top, if you are new to the podcast, you can always hit us up on Twitter, locked at LockedOnBucks and LockedOnBucks at gmail.com if you do not have twitter and you've got some thoughts theories ideas trades whatever it may be you can send us through uh, any of that stuff and we always uh it keeps the show going you guys keep the show going certainly through the off seasons we really appreciate that uh that's for justin like i said you can catch him on the bucks radio network uh you can see me on this show literally every single day i had a day off yesterday but uh that that doesn't happen too often so i'm glad to be back everyone stay safe out there over the next couple of days we will speak to you tomorrow